This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab. Your host, Greg Gazin, speaker, blogger, author, and syndicated veteran columnist of Troy Media. Episode 159, Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales, with our guest, Monica Parkin. Monica Parkin is a licensed mortgage broker and successful serial entrepreneur. She's also an award-winning international speaker who speaks on topics that empower others to feel more connected, confident, and successful. She's also the author of a recent book, Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales. Now, if that's not enough, Monica is also a self-professed introvert, a Toastmaster, and a crazy goat lady who lives on a small farm with an assortment of furry creatures. She's coming to us today from Courtney, BC on Vancouver Island, where all those furry creatures are. And if you're not sure that is, that's just off the west coast of British Columbia, Canada. Monica Parkin, welcome to Toastcaster. Thank you, Greg. What a treat to be here today. <laughs> I'll have to ask you a little later about the goat lady. I'm really, really interested to find out, and I'm sure people are very, very curious. Yeah, I got some great goat stories. Well, first of all, congratulations on your recent book, Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Network Marketing and Sales. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to have it out this year. I, you know, I, I think you're an author too. You know, that feeling of uh, finally being done and having it out and getting some reviews rolling in is always a, a wonderful feeling. Yeah, it's certainly quite euphoric. Tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it. Yeah, so it came obviously, well, not obviously, but from my own experiences as an introvert, right? Uh, I was actually in the middle of the pandemic scrolling through Facebook one day, and I saw this ad for a 30-day book writing challenge. And I thought, you know, I've got some free time right now. This is something I've always wanted to do. You know, maybe this is just a little push that I need to write that book. And as one of the first assignments that they sent you on the first day is, what is a challenge that you've overcome in life? you know, because that challenge is probably the subject of your book. And for me, that challenge was was being an introvert, feeling socially awkward, struggling when I first started out in the mortgage industry to network, go to large events. The very first event I went to, I actually, you know, walked in the door, turned around and came back out and sat in my car because I was I was too terrified. <sighs> now you call your book part memoir, part instruction guide. How did you sort of separate that out? When I started just writing, I started writing about my own experience, first of all, growing up as a super shy, awkward kid that had a hard time making social connections. And then, you know, moving into this career that I thought I never got the memo, I thought I'd just be sitting in my home office, you know, sending some emails, writing files for people, you know, and then I show up at work the first day, and they're like, what's your first networking event? Where are you going to get these clients from? That kind of thing. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like nobody told me I was going to have to do this. Uh, and so that journey through that process of, of learning through baby steps to become less introverted, to build connections, to build relationships. And then I switched over to, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are at building relationships. You have to maintain those relationships. And, and it doesn't matter how good you are at getting clients in the door you still have to do a good job. So the beginning part of the book is all about that journey of getting from A to B. And then the rest of the book is like, how do you hold on to that? How do you cultivate, like continue to cultivate those relationships and, and to do a good job so that people want to come back to you year after year? Yeah, that's excellent. And of course, you weaved in stories all the way through the entire book. Yes. Yeah, well, like we talked about in the beginning, we're both Toastmasters and Toastmasters is where I really learned to tell 
to teach with stories, right? I've just figured out that, you know, when you tell a story, when you make people feel an emotion, you let them draw a picture in their head, they're going to remember that and they're going to resonate with it better. So I sort of got those skills from Toastmasters. But yeah, I usually present the problem, tell a story, present a problem, tell a story and try to weave it back together. Yeah. Toastmasters is great for giving you the opportunity to really fine tune those stories too, because one of the big things about Toastmasters is you get feedback. Absolutely. One of my favorite things about Toastmasters is is that feedback, right? And those little nuggets that even now when I've got a big keynote to do, I'll send it to one of my Toastmasters and, and they'll find these little things that I didn't even know that I can tweak and make better. Not criticisms, just if you just did this little bit different, it would be even more impactful, that kind of yeah. thing. When I first heard about your book, of course, I had a natural interest in it, of course, because I had been in financial services in the past. I worked for a financial institution. I also used the services of a mortgage broker, and I know what it was like. That was, I know what that process was like. But the big thing that was in the back of my mind was mortgage broker. That would be a really tough job for someone who's a self-professed introvert. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't get this message, right? It's like everybody knew this but me. But the thing is, I had had a mortgage broker for about 10 years before I went into that career, but we'd never spoken on the phone. We never met in person. We did everything by email. And apparently I was just an anomaly. Uh, and that's not what most of the job of a mortgage broker is. But of course, when I decided to become a mortgage broker, I thought that that's what it would be, that I my interactions would be limited to pretty much sending emails to people and the rest of it would be solving problems. And, and what I found out is a little piece of it is solving problems and getting people approved. And a very large piece of it is that whole relationship piece and networking piece. In terms of addressing folks who are are introverted, I know myself that I grew up that way. I grew up as a being quiet, shy, introvert, and would probably prefer to sit behind the keyboard rather than speak to anyone. And what I discovered is that when I was trying to be more outgoing, when I was trying to be, try to play that role of getting out of that shell, I kind of felt that I was actually being someone that I wasn't. It was like, I wasn't really being true to myself. Did you find that that was the case for yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, that's a story I tell in my book, right? You know, I'm six, eight months into my business. I'm not really doing that great. I'm advertising. I've got my car wrapped. I'm buying leads. I'm doing all these things to try and get business in the door. And the business just isn't coming. So we have this group in our industry called Women in the Mortgage Industry where, you know, people mentor other people. So I thought, you know, I'm going to going to reach out to some of these people that are really performing well that are really at the top of their game in this industry and you know I call the first one and I you know what do I what do I do do I advertise do I where do I spend my money like what is why is it not working what I'm doing and you know her answer was you know just be your authentic self like just be you and I didn't like that answer at all so I called another one same answer long story short Everybody had the same answer. I really didn't appreciate that answer. I, I was really quite disappointed in it. I thought, well, this is the advice they gave me in elementary school when I had to make new friends, you know. <laughs> but when I sat and I thought about it for a while, I thought, you know, like, what do I have to lose? Like, all these people are saying the same thing. They're all highly successful. And so I started to put a little more of my real self out there, you know, the self that I'd never showed anyone before, the, that crazy goat lady person, right? And 
the person involved in her kids hockey and part of me that I don't show people normally. And, you know, like magical things started to happen, right? I stopped talking about business all the time. And I started showing authentic me. And it turns out people really connect to you when you're your authentic self. And and sounds like that was your experience. That was definitely my experience as well. And that was kind of the beginning of that journey is realizing that I couldn't pretend to be someone else. I had to actually be me and take the risk that maybe people wouldn't like me. Turns out they'll like that, Monica. Yeah, I was kind of a crazy, goofy guy. Loved the Beatles, Monty Python music, all kinds of stuff. I used to roller skate and carry my cell phone when I had that big brick phone and people never thought, geez, what a geek you are, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wasn't in vogue back then to be sort of a Big Bang Theory kind of guy. Now, Now it's in vogue, right? It's totally cool now. Yeah. Nerd is a very, uh, is a very good word now. <laughs> how do you work being the goat lady into mortgage broker? If you could share with people, how do you make that connection? Yeah, for sure. Let me just give you like an example. So like I said, I stopped posting about business Monica and started posting, you know, crazy goat lady Monica and pictures of my baby goats and everything. But I always did it under the tagline mortgage Monica. So people knew what I did for a living. I just wasn't talking about what I did for a living, but they could look at my tagline and know what I did for a living. So one day I take these baby goats into the vet, drop them off, come back an hour later kind of thing. And the receptionist is like, oh my goodness, you won't believe what happened. Three people came in today and asked if these are Mortgage Monica's goats. Like, are you Mortgage Monica? That was the day I realized, you know, that sharing those parts of myself, that animal loving, goat loving part, whatever, was actually something that people could connect to. So these were pictures that you were showing on Instagram or Facebook? or Yeah, exactly. Instagram or Facebook, me and my, you know, fresh born baby goats or me even out in the barn shoveling goat manure, like just doing like my normal stuff, you know. And then from that, what happened is the phone started to ring with people that had rural properties, right? And I don't know if you remember this from being in the mortgage industry, but rural properties are hard to finance, right? But people kind of would connect the dots and go, well, you've got goats, you live out here in the country, like... Maybe you know something about rural properties. So I kind of started to carve this little niche into my business dealing with with farm properties. And then, of course, those led to other referrals and other referrals. But it's funny how, you know, things just kind of start to come together in ways that you don't expect that they will. Right. So you found it, what you were doing was a way of A, breaking the ice, but also B, you're able to connect with them because, you know, it's the old story. It's the old story of, you know, the farm folk love the farm folk, right? They know the city folk don't get the farm folk, et cetera. Yeah. And you're a real person, right? The thing is when you're trying to be someone that you're not, when I was just posting business stuff and talking about mortgages and the best rates and this and that, People don't get to see my real personality, right? When I'm being, and not only that, but you're more awkward because you're, you're trying to remember a lie, right? It's like when you're telling a lie to your parents, and you're trying to remember all the details and keep track of them. <laughs> when you're not being your authentic self, that's kind of what's going on, right? And it makes you more awkward. But when you're just being you, you're not like, you're not hiding anything. You're not making up details. You're just kind of like when you tell stories, when you speak, you're not trying to remember facts. You're just replaying scenes from your memory. And when you're just being yourself, you're just being yourself. You don't have all these other windows open in the background with all these details you're trying to keep track of. When you're being authentic, it's it's so much easier to connect with people. That makes sense. I know my, my brother a few years back, this is before COVID, he was struggling trying to find some work because where he was, they downsized and kept all the young guys that they were paying lower wages to. Mm-hmm. And of course, a guy 50 plus that cost more money and they didn't want to hire him. 
some of the places were looking sort of for younger blood. And then finally, he came across this one place where they were looking for someone that was reliable, had a lot of experience. And of course, he spent time talking about their grandkids and that's how they connected. And he got the job. He's been there now. He's been there now like six or seven years. Yeah. Finding those commonalities. Right. And, uh, and for me, it's, it's often not talking about myself. It's asking people about themselves, you know, asking about what they're inspired by or what they're passionate about, or like you say, what their kids or their grandkids are doing. That's where you, you build those connections that, that last, that, that lead to business year over year. Not even that you're looking for business, but you're actually genuinely curious about someone. And that leads to other conversations. Yeah. So it sounds though, by also talking about other people and asking about other people, it's taking away the focus on yourself. Did you find that that was one of the ways that helped you overcome your awkwardness? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually when you look at studies about introverts versus extroverts or some of the things that introverts do well, one of the things that introverts do really, really well is they're really good listeners. And when you listen really deeply, you are able to find solutions to problems, right? And when you find solutions to problems, like it just continues from there. So one thing, it, being a good listener lets you connect to people and understand more about you, about them, but it also helps you solve the problems that they have, right? If you're sitting down in front of me, talk to me about a mortgage and I just rush to give you the mortgage and I don't ask the question like, well, why do you want to sell your house? Oh, it's because you maybe you're getting separated or you've had this financial difficulty. Well, what if we did a refinance instead and you had the money to pay off those like things that I wouldn't be able to, I can't solve problems unless I know the answers and I can't find out the answers unless I ask the questions. Right. You have to be a good listener. Definitely. So it sounds like that part or that side of being a mortgage broker, it's great being an introvert, but I know myself having been an introvert in the past, I mean, I still sort of am, but I've, I'm more or less out of my shell now. But I know that in the, we'll call it my past life, if there was anything to do with issues or conflict or things that went wrong, I just didn't want to be there. I didn't want to have to deal with people and deal with conflict and deal with people yelling at me. And of course, that's not necessarily a job for an introvert. How did you get to a point where you were able to deal with those types of things? Or were you able to? Yeah, I think one of the things I figured out along the way is, you know, I love solving problems. And the other thing I figured out is that that anger comes from fear, right? That usually, not always, like I had this one client and I tell this story in the book where, you know, I would just dread picking up the phone and calling her because every time I would call her, she would just fly off the handle. Like, why are you asking me for another document? Just get your job done. And what's your problem? And why can't you get me approved already? You know, and it was just getting more and more and more stressful to the point where I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this woman any longer. Like I have to fire her. And I finally got off the nerve to, call her and to let her go to say, you know, I can't, I just can't do this for you anymore. Like I'm asking you for documents. You're not giving them to me. Every time I call you, you get angry with me. Like here's a list of other brokers you could talk to. So I kind of got her on the phone and I blurted out this whole thing where I'm going to fire her. And then there's silence on the other line, right? Like total silence. And then like the sniffling and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, did I call it a bad time? Did someone just pass away? Like, and I said, you know, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Did I call it a bad time? And, uh, you know, there's this pause and she says, I'm renting a place. My landlord just decided to sell it. I'm a single parent. I've already been to three mortgage brokers. No one can get me approved. Like you were my last hope and you're not going to help me either. And I realized in that moment, you know, she wasn't angry. She was scared. Like she is scared. She has nowhere to live. She has nothing to do. 
and she's looking for help. She's not just lashing out. And uh, from there, I was able to ask more questions because I'm curious, right? So I'm like, well, look, you've been paying your rent for seven years. You've got a great credit rating. Like, how are you doing that? She said, well, I I get child support. I said, you get child support. Well, you didn't tell me about that. Well, how much is that? Well, it's $1,500 a month. Well, we can use that income. And we just started going through all these little missing bits of income and things that she had. And I actually managed to get her approved for a mortgage. But the only way I got her approved is I had to get past that anger, right? And then once I could see that she wasn't angry, she was scared, then I could ask good questions. And when I ask good questions, then all of a sudden, all the solutions start to come together. And, you know, that woman's been back to me three or four times now. She's bought revenue properties. She's done other things. We have this great relationship. But, yeah, I had to get over my fear of talking to people that are, you know, freaking out and realize that most times when they're angry, they're they're actually scared and if you can just breathe and work through that, there's usually a solution on the other side of it. Yeah. And also asking the right questions is important because I remember, I remember that story in the book. I also remember the fact that she had some misinformation with respect to income. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I think it was, um, she was actually on probation at her new job, but she didn't want to share that with me because she was worried if you're on probation, you can't get a mortgage and, you know, just withholding things that she didn't realize were important. And, um, that had a really great ending. And, and after that first difficult conversation, it got easier and easier to have difficult conversations to the point where, you know, they're not comfortable to have, but I, I'm not afraid of them the way that I used to be. And talking about your other question, I, like, I think I'm still an introvert at my core. Like I still get a little tired after a full day of talking to people, but I think I've kind of evolved into an omnivert, you know, like I can almost switch it back and forth. I look forward to talking to people. I look forward to getting to know people. You know, the joy in my day is making connections but I'm also really cool to just, you know, curl up in a blanket and, and watch TV for a couple hours and not talk to anybody when that opportunity arises. You touched upon networking earlier. Maybe you could just share one of your networking stories or one of the things that you were able to do to overcome the awkwardness or one of the ways that you were able to succeed with respect to networking. Yeah. One of the things I think I figured out along the way that was really uh, really powerful for me is to figure out, you know, that people notice people who notice them. You know, rather than me, again, rather than me going out talking about myself, why I'm so great, whatever, to actually notice other people. Like if someone reached out to me and said, oh, my gosh, I just read your book. I love it. Blah, blah, blah. I left your review. All of a sudden, I'd want to get to know more about that person, right? Like, oh, wow, this person's interested in what I do. They like what I do. I want to get to know them better. And that's the same way with with networking, with getting to know people. If I go out for dinner now and I have a great meal, I will post a review. If I see that my friend is doing a presentation on something or a fellow Toastmaster, I will share that. If someone wins an award, I'm like, hey, look, this is awesome. Look at you go. Uh, because people notice people who notice them, right? So just to be the person that notices other people, that elevates them, that wants the best for them, and, and that really flows back to you in terms of relationships. Yeah, I know when I first started the networking and I went to a couple of business mixers and I saw everyone else just sort of handing out business cards way back when, that's what I used to do too. And I found that it just, it didn't work. And, you know, you talk about people throwing, you wanted to throw away their cards and they're going to probably just throw away your cards. But uh, I, I got to a point where it was like, I only if I felt it necessary, I would actually hand out a card. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, and those are the people that are going to remember you anyways, the people that you had a real, real conversation with. But yeah, that's exactly what happened to me after that first networking event. I remember coming home and looking at this pile of cards and I'm like, oh, like, what am I going to do with these? I didn't make a connection. I don't know these people. And I throw them out. And as I'm throwing them out, I'm like, 
oh no, oh no, if I'm throwing out their cards, like that means they're throwing out my cards too. And, uh, you know, the realization that that thing where I just walk around a room and shake people's hands and talk about myself is, is not going to get me anywhere. Yeah. And you almost didn't go to your first one, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I turned around, uh, came out and sat in the car and then was forced to go back in because my coworker showed up. But yeah, it was a really awkward, uncomfortable thing. and I really didn't want to do it again. But you know, now, you know, fast forward six or seven years, I still don't love networking events. They're still not my favorite thing, but you know, I'll often even go early because, you know, there's always going to be someone there early that has no one to talk to. And so now I kind of I go looking forward to the chance to to talk to those people and to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. You subtitled the book, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales. I, I found actually that a lot of the golden nuggets that you shared, a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that you learned and people can take away from the book really can apply to really anybody. Yeah, that's been the feedback from a lot of people, you know, I it started with this introvert focus, because that's that was my obstacle to overcome. But yeah, a lot of people have told me uh, that not only is it helpful for them in business, but just with relationships in general, right, with family members, with teachers, with things like that. And then the other interesting feedback uh, was from extroverts who said, you know, I bought this for my introverted friends or to, to mentor introverts in my life. But you know, after two years in the pandemic, I'm kind of feeling a little bit introverted, you know, and this was this was helpful for me because I'm actually feeling nervous about going back into the world after two years of isolation. Extroverts probably have introverts tendencies as well, probably. <laughs> yeah. And then the other surprising thing was the messages I would get, like when I first, right before I launched, I put this message out, like I had like 100 early readers, people that want to just read the book and give me some feedback. And, and some people would comment publicly, yeah, send me a copy. And then there's these other people that commented privately. They'd send me this little message on the side and they'd be like, hey, hey I don't want anyone to know I'm an introvert, but I'm an introvert and I want to get your book. And, and the people that were saying that were like high performers, like top of their field, but they're a field like where they were expected to be an introvert, uh, an extrovert, right? Like in sales or something. And they didn't want their boss to know they were an introvert. And yet they were just killing it, right? So... They were doing something right, but it was like, eh, it's not cool to tell anybody I am. <laughs> well, it goes back to being your authentic self, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I love the story in the book when you were talking about the client who was texting you off hours. You want to just share a little bit about that and the lessons learned? Yeah. So this would happen to me a lot in the beginning because you're eager and you want, you know, you want the business. So, you know, someone texts you, you respond, someone texts you, you respond. But before you know it, it's you know, Saturday and Sunday and seven o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock at night. And I found myself starting to get like really resentful. Like what is wrong with these people? Why are they texting me at night? You know? And then I realized that, you know, I had actually taught them to do that. I had taught them to text me at night because I responded at night. I responded on weekends. I responded all the time. And then I would, you know, start to get annoyed and and then they'd feel chastised and it would kind of tarnish our relationship. And so what I figured out is it's my job to set the expectation in the beginning. It's my job to say, hey, I'm available to you Monday to Friday. The reality is not much happens in real estate on the weekends. If you want to reach out to me, you know, send me an email. I'll respond to you first thing Monday morning. Or if they do text me to gently redirect them. Hey, I got your text. I'll talk to you on Monday, right? Rather than that instant response, because I was teaching people how to respond to me. And then I was getting angry because they were basically doing what I taught them to do. It's almost like, 
you know, you get the new puppy and, and it goes outside and then you immediately let it in and it pees on the floor and it does that four times and you've just taught it to like pee in your house. Well, you teach clients to call you at six o'clock in the morning too. If you respond every time, you know, with, yeah, right away, I'll get on that. Yeah, I, I did that when I moved from my office to working from home. I work from home and of course I'm self-employed and I, the nature of what I do can be done at different times of the day. So people automatically assume that it's easy for me to talk to them anytime during the day, all the time. So yeah, yeah I learned that from, <laughs> I learned that the hard way as well. I mean, obviously I try to be as accommodating for people as I can, which leads me to the next question is how would you set boundaries without sort of impacting as one would call the customer service aspect, because perhaps maybe the clients are people who they work shift work. Maybe the only time that they can text you or connect with you is on the weekends or at night. Yeah, I well, I try to say no by saying yes, right? So, um, and I do make exceptions for certain people, but the reality is, you know, most people, you know, they go to their doctor between a nine and five on Monday to Friday. They go to their dentist at those hours. There's there's things that happen between those hours, but I will definitely find ways to accommodate them, but not like I'm going to come down and meet you at my office on Saturday. But hey, if you want to email me all those documents. I'll review them and then I can give you a call and maybe we can have a phone call or something. But rather than saying, no, I can't do that or no, I won't do that. I try to say yes, but, and then, you know, give them some alternatives that work for them. Yeah. We do that with the podcast interviews because especially for the Toastmasters podcast where myself, I'm in the mountain time zone. My co-host is in the Eastern time zone. And for example, last week we spoke with a gentleman from Sweden. So of course He's overseas, so there's a whole element of trying to find a way of making a balance for, for three different people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to shift over a little bit to the element of social media, because I know you, in the book, you mentioned how let's talk about social media for a minute, but I think you, you spend a fair amount of time on it. You point to some really interesting things. I love when you talk about the social media 90-10 and the icing on the cake. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so my personal social media reel that turned into is 90-10. So 90% about, you know, my authentic self, the things I'm involved in, the stuff I'm doing in the community, supporting other people, and then 10% business, right? Which is like the icing on the cake. If you were going to get a cake, you'd want it to be mostly cake with a little bit of icing, right? Because even if you were shopping for an icing cake, you loved icing. Icing's your favorite thing. If you came into my store and I just gave you a big slab of icing and said, here you go, try this baby out. You would be like, whoa, too much, right? And that's the same thing. Even if someone wants a mortgage, if all they see all day long is mortgage, mortgage, mortgage stuff on my feed, it just, it's a turnoff, right? It, it's too much. So it's that 90% you, your authentic self, your community, your stuff you're involved in that matters that people care about. And then just this little sprinkle of business. Like you don't need a lot. You just need enough to people to know what you do and they'll come find you when they're ready. You don't choose a business based on their product. You choose it based on the relationship with the person, right? If you think about a time when you've needed an electrician or a realtor, or whatever, you probably didn't choose them because they had a great Yellow Pages ad. You probably chose them because you know someone that knew them or because you knew them. So basically, we're talking 90% Monica the Goat Lady and 10% Mortgage <laughs> Monica. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I use this neighborhood analogy sometimes, right? Like, because as a, as someone in the real estate industry, I find it helpful. Like, so it doesn't matter how nice my house is, right? Maybe I have this beautiful house and I take great care of the lawn. I take great care of the house. It's amazing. It's stunning. It's worth millions of dollars. 
If I look across the street and my neighbor's place is falling down, right, or their yard isn't maintained or there's potholes on the road, like what does that do to my property value? It drives it down. And it's the same thing with my business. It doesn't matter how good I am at my job, how good my business is. If my community isn't in good shape, if my industry isn't in good shape, if my fellow entrepreneurs are not in good shape, my business won't thrive, right? So uh, that's that whole it takes a village thing, right? It doesn't matter how good I am at my job, I still need the other businesses in my community to be doing well. I need my industry to be doing well. And that means I got to get involved in that stuff and I got to support people. Yeah. So you want to, you want to help the neighbor out instead of ranting about them on social media, because yeah, I noted down here on page 82, you'll say you'll always regret a negative rant. And you do, right? I mean, it feels good, but people remember it. They, and, and you become untrustworthy, right? Because I have I'm not going to name names, but there's people on my social media that will two o'clock in the morning, they'll start posting about so-and-so said this or this, or can't believe this person did that. It makes me really uncomfortable. Like it's as someone they know, because it's like, well, if you say that about them, what are you going to say about me someday? Like it just, it kind of makes you a little volatile to others. And you know, those drunk 2am texts are are not a, (laughs) not a good plan if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, that's true. I mean, sending an email that you regret is one thing, but putting it on social media where it's there forever and for everyone to see, it's a whole different story. Yeah, you never get it back. And there are people that have had to close their social media accounts for that reason, you know, and uh, you don't get those back. Or I mean, if you do, but you don't get your credibility back, right? Absolutely. Now, some of the lessons that you learned, you learned from having a really good mentor and you go, one of your chapters, I think it's chapter 17, where you talk about your mentor. Yeah. What's one thing that she taught you that you found very, very valuable? I guess it's, you know, not to be afraid to be a little bit honest with people, Um, at least like if you're mentoring people, right? For her as a mentor, she wasn't afraid to tell me when I was, you know, screwing up a little bit, you know, she wasn't afraid to say, hey, you know what, you're, you're showing up late for work and you're not getting your work done. Like that wasn't you two years ago. What's going on? You know, Um, that you know, not being afraid to be transparent with people and to say, you know what, I, I know you can do better than this. Yeah, I thought that was a good lesson. One of the ones that really I found powerful was the fourth one, encourage growth even when it represents a loss for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think the very best leaders will do that, right? If their employee has an opportunity to do something bigger, better, to grow rather than to hold on to them and say, no, 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 you can't leave me. I need you uh, to say, yeah, you got this. Go do it. Yeah, I've been self-employed for a long time, but I remember one employer and he said, one of the things I want you to do is he said, I want you to be better than me so that you could take over my job. Awesome. Yeah. Where in some places it's the opposite there. Everyone's protecting, everyone's protecting their job. Yeah, I remember my very first job and I would try like crazy to learn how to do stuff, but no one would teach me. Like there was this culture there where... Everyone was terrified someone was going to take their job. Like they wouldn't even let you look at their spreadsheets. If you needed the name of a client, they wouldn't give it to you. Like it was just this super, you know, it was almost like someone holding their hands over their paper, you know, like, don't look at my stuff. Don't look at my stuff. And, and it was such a dysfunctional thing, you know, and then I moved into the mortgage industry where everybody helps each other out. Like even another mortgage broker, like we will get together for, for lunch. We'll talk about what's working, what's not working in our business. And we're directly in competition with each other, but there's this willingness to, you know, not to be afraid of, of someone else's growth and realizing that helping someone else actually helps us too. Nice. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot. Obviously you've 
you've learned a lot, you've grown a lot, your journey from becoming, from being an introvert to becoming an extrovert, to becoming a mortgage broker, to being an author, to becoming a podcaster, which I'll ask you in a moment. Can you think of perhaps one thing that you, you learned about yourself in this process? That I love change. I love change. Like some people are afraid of change. Some people love it, but I absolutely love the next challenge, the next new interesting thing, the the next thing to learn. I just embrace it. I love it. Uh, But I think what I don't do enough is I don't celebrate the little victories, you know, because I'll accomplish something and then boom, I'm, I'm looking for the next thing instead of maybe spending a day there going, Hey, you know what? This was really awesome. Like you got this podcast off the ground or you got this book published, you know, spend a day here and just celebrate it. Whereas I tend to want to just run for the next goalpost instead of hanging out there and having a little party, you know? Yes. And that's the moniker serial entrepreneur. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned the podcast. Tell us a little bit about the podcast, what it's called, and who does it target? Yeah, so it's called Juggling Without Balls. Uh, and it's basically for women who juggle a lot of responsibilities. It, it came out of, you know, the fact that I juggle a, a bunch of different businesses and activities and things and kids and just a busy life. And I thought, you know what, there's got to be a lot of other women out there that that juggle all this same stuff and you know what better cool thing than to sit down you know across a a zoom call with each other and talk about you know what are the challenges what are the silver linings you know what's the what's the stuff you look forward to every day what's the lesson that you wish you'd known you know when you were a kid and uh and I also get to talk to some women that I really like and admire that Maybe as an introvert, I'd be too scared to pick up the phone and say, hey, do you want to have a conversation? But I can say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast and then have a great conversation? (laughs) For everyone to hear. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very sneaky way to get to talk to people. (laughs) And you give them the advice not to rant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I do. I I am pretty careful about who I invite. But uh, yeah, no, I just, it's really been great. And of course, I have daughters too. So I wanted to have that cache of recordings for them someday to go back and listen to and, you know, have advice from some really smart women. Yeah, I'm I'm just kidding. I I took an opportunity to listen to a few episodes (laughs) and I I found I picked up a few tips, but it's also great if you want, if someone perhaps wants to get a better understanding of a family member or a significant other, if they're a male and they're a female, it can certainly, uh, certainly help them out. Yeah. I, and I do have some male listeners. Apparently, I was I was doing a talk at a Rotary meeting the other day, and and someone asked about the podcast, and I said, "Well, it's mostly just for women." And three men stuck up their hand and said, "Well, we've listened to episodes. It's it's okay, you know." So, <laughs> equal opportunity podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> now, the real tough question is: Where can people find you if they want to connect with you and get a hold of your book? Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty much everything is going to be on uh, monicaparkin.ca. So super simple, Monica with a C, parkin.ca. Uh, there's a link to my podcast. There's a link to the book, uh, link to speaking ops there. Pretty much everything is is on my website. And of course, you can find the book on Amazon, uh, Audible too, if you're one of those people that likes to listen and download. The Audible version is actually doing like 10 times better than the paperback version it sells it out uh, outsells the paperback version day after day and i don't know if that's a reflection of a, a busy society that doesn't have time to sit and read anymore but the the audible version is uh, definitely the the best performer in the bunch that's awesome we'll certainly put the links in the show notes and that's parkin p-a-r-k-i-n if you're using dictation or autocorrect it'll come up as parking so make sure you slice off that last g <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Monica Parkin, Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales. It has been so much fun speaking with you today. I, I learned a lot, had a few good laughs. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, thank you, Greg. It's been an absolute pleasure. A great interview. And I'm actually really looking forward to going back and listening to some other episodes of this show. It sounds like it's really great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. A new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com. <laughs>